Santa Claus. Fantasy, folklore, deity, or all the above. It's that time of year again. But it does feel different this time around. And not because of the pandemic either, or not just because of the pandemic, I guess I should say. I think it took me a while to figure out, but honestly, I don't really think I'm a super big Christmas person. I was several years into my adulthood before I figured that out, but at some point I had the epiphany, I don't really think I'm into all this. <clears throat> In general, Thanksgiving as a holiday is much more my speed. Now that might be why the Christmas celebrations I did enjoy a bit more in the last 10 years probably looked a lot more like a Thanksgiving celebration. But if I'm honest with you, I just don't think I'm into Christmas like that. Now I realize this is probably, excuse me, I realize this probably deserves some explanation. So I'll do that very, very briefly. Um, I'll outline in no particular order, so don't get hung up on the order. First, gifts are not my love language. I don't particularly like getting gifts, and I don't particularly enjoy giving gifts either. In general, I tend to like experiences more than I like things. Um, again, that probably has a lot to do with why Thanksgiving feast just resonates much more with me. Uh, but I would much rather prefer to do coffee or breakfast or dinner with you than getting a gift from you, right? Gifts are just kind of weird to me. I don't mind like small tokens, but anything outside of that can make me feel a bit uncomfortable if I'm just being honest. Second, Many, many Christmas gifts are for things that people will never use. Truthfully, there are ways around this. I know people who do Christmas wish lists and stuff like that. So that's certainly one way to mitigate this possibility. But still, that seems a bit weird to me. If you're going to give me a list of things that I can get you, then it feels more like a subtle form of manipulation, right? Like a roundabout attempt to control the outcome, but in a very indirect way. I think registries make sense for large momentous occasions like birthdays, showers, anniversaries, weddings, etc. Hey, you want to tell me what to get you for your wedding? That's cool. I'll do that. But for Christmas? Meh. Alternatively, Without a registry, I've received many, many gifts that I have absolutely zero intentions of using, and I'm certain I've inadvertently given those gifts as well. Gifts that I know the person that I'm giving it to probably isn't going to use. Of course, I didn't know that at the time when I gave it, but, you know, sometimes you just give bad gifts and you don't know it. Third, <laughs> I work a lot. To me, there's absolutely nothing that sounds peaceful or restful about spending the last 45 days of the year 
frantically looking for gifts for people I love when I could be spending that time with them instead. Now, maybe I feel that way because I have a really big family, so doing that shopping is difficult. Now, true. I know these aren't mutually exclusive. Many people can and do um, spend time with family and do the shopping, right? But I think for a lot of people, it divides their attention. Now, on the one hand, you're excited to see family and friends coming in from out of town. And on the other hand, you're a bit anxious about all the shopping that you need to do. Why on earth would I sign myself up to do that? Especially year after year. Nah, I'm good on that. I'm all the way good. Four. On my list. No order, right? It can create... Christmas, it. Excuse me. Christmas can create indebtedness. I'll expand on this point shortly. Uh, Maybe I'm a bit strange, but I really really dislike feeling like I inconvenience people. I think that's one of the reasons why receiving gifts can be a bit hard for me because I feel like someone went out of their way to do something big for me, right? But I also think that serves to illustrate my point. If someone gets you something for Christmas and you didn't get them anything, it's easy to feel guilty. Or if you get them something quite small and they got you something quite elaborate or nice, again, it's easy to feel kind of bad. Or maybe it's been a tough year for you financially and a lot of your friends and and family get you something and you literally have no money to get them anything. You likely have mixed feelings about the whole ordeal. Five. It can exacerbate, it being Christmas, um, it can exacerbate social comparisons. This is likely to be truer for kids. For instance, Jimmy's parents got him the PS5. Why didn't you get me one, right? So this is likely to be truer for kids. But let's be honest, adults can be really bad about social comparisons too. You may feel differently about your gift depending on what your friend's boyfriend or husband got her or what your friend's girlfriend or wife got him or what your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend got you in the past or what your uncle got you last year or what your brother got you uh, the year before or maybe uh, what they gave your older or younger sibling this year or whatever like all these social comparisons past future with yourself, with other people, it's just messy, man. And this isn't even an exhaustive list. I told you I was trying to be brief, right? But in general, I think all of the issues I described, and I mean, I, I guess I described five of them. Uh, I, di- I, I think of all of these issues that I briefly described above, or I mean, you're not reading, you're listening. I think of all these issues as relatively minor concerns. I have two much bigger concerns, and I'm actually going to describe those now. Bigger issue one, 
most of the world lives in crippling poverty, right? With almost 8 billion people in the world, by almost any measure, that is a resounding fact. Most of the world lives in poverty. Americans spend about 800 plus dollars on Christmas gifts every year. In fact, we spend so much money on gifts, most Americans have holiday debt for a few months. And in fact, they usually plan to use their tax return to pay off their credit cards. Um, so you keep that debt on your credit card literally for months until you get your tax return. Anyway, that's an aside. But from an economics perspective, it's this whole $800 plus spent on Christmas gifts, uh, it's, it's strange for so many reasons. Because the wealth redistribution equates more or less to rich people giving things to other rich people as an expression of goodwill and generosity. Now, most Americans would vehemently disagree that they're rich. But the median household income for the entire world is $10,000. And that's an entire household of people, right? I'll stand by my point. This, this, this tradition of American gift-giving every Christmas season, it's more or less rich people being generous to other rich people. I mean, I can't think of it in any other way. Now, I do want to be clear, because I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or beat anybody up. Generosity is a wonderful thing, and I applaud you for your interest in doing that. But let's be honest. Most of us wrestle with being generous to poor people. So are we really showing our heart for generosity if that primarily manifests in being generous to other rich people? I can't help but feel a better demonstration would be generosity to strangers and or the poor. So that's big issue number one. <laughs> Bigger issue number two or big issue number two. Um, and I'll be short about this one. We've spiritualized Christmas in very messy and unusual ways. Again, I wish I had time to describe more, but believe it or not, I haven't even gotten to what I actually want to talk about yet. All of this is just an intro. But the Christmas holiday just, it, it, it seems really messy and busy. Um, so really... I don't want to sign myself up to be a part of that. Now, two clarifying points, because I know some of you are probably looking at me side eye, uh, sideways. For starters, I want to be clear. I'm not anti-Christmas. I'll say that a second time for emphasis. I'm not anti-Christmas. I'm just somewhat neutral to it. I have zero qualms or issues with people who celebrate or don't. Um, I just don't know if it's something that I'm super into. You also probably noticed that 95% of what I shared about my qualms with Christmas have to do with gift giving. They all kind of revolve around gift giving. Outside of that, I really don't have any major qualms with Christmas. 
But understandably, that big emphasis on gift giving, plus my interests and experiences versus just kind of getting a whole bunch of stuff and giving a whole bunch of stuff, it makes Thanksgiving much, much more my speed. I just, I don't really think I'm a Christmas person. Now, my other clarifying point is as a Christian, I'm pretty enthused about celebrating the birth of Christ. But that doesn't mean I have to celebrate Christmas. That's like me telling someone that they're not thankful unless they celebrate Thanksgiving. There are lots of celebrations around the world to promote gratitude and thankfulness. And most of the world's approximately 8 billion people do not celebrate Thanksgiving. So to extrapolate that someone isn't thankful because they choose not to celebrate the holiday that I do to practice thankfulness, that would be pretty egocentric, right? Um, so God is dope, but I'm kind of neutral about Christmas. But for what it's worth, I've been pretty thoughtful about the holiday over the last couple of years. I think that's especially true given I'm Nigerian-American, I travel, uh, I mean, I'm not traveling now, but in general, I uh, traveled to many different countries. Um, so I'm always thinking about things from different perspectives, and I'm now actively involved in research. Um, so I'm always puzzling over something and trying to understand it in different ways and putting on different hats and using different lenses to try and make sense of the world around me. Uh, for instance, you'll recall in a previous post that I took a sociocultural approach to looking at global icons like Jesus of Nazareth and Santa Claus. And it's December, so it's only fitting that I pick up where I left off with Santa because what I mentioned then, I actually had much more to say, but the post was kind of long. Santa Claus is a global figure around the world. But how do we make sense of Santa, right? How can we explain or think about him beyond simply the Christmas holiday or the Christmas context? And what is Santa exactly? Is Santa fantasy? Is... Is Santa folklore? Is, is Santa a deity? Or maybe Santa is all the above. Maybe something else entirely, right? Um, we'll need to know at least the basics about Santa in order to make sense of who or what he is. Um, Santa Claus is based on a real person. A saint, in fact. Now, this gentleman, Saint Nicholas was born around 300 AD in Eurasia, Turkey to be specific. Now, Nicholas was a stand-up guy with a huge heart for kids and an ongoing interest in serving the poor and needy. He was so noble and impactful that his acts of generosity became the source of legend even long after he died. That's really how it all started. Approximately 2,000 years later, the stories have transformed quite a bit in mostly harmless and amusing ways. A magic sleigh here, a few reindeer there, sprinkle in some elves and add a pinch of magic. 
It's quite remarkable. But maybe that's the point. One thing that frequently happens to us as we get older is we can become less imaginative. It's true. Say what you will about children, but they are phenomenally imaginative. Adults, on the other hand, are bogged down with what we believe to be realistic. An example may help. I had a family friend growing up, and their son, a curious Nigerian boy, was absolutely brilliant. In fact, he works on Wall Street now. At seven, I think he was around the age of seven, maybe second grade, something like that, um, he wrote an essay about how he would attend Harvard Law and subsequently serve as president of the United States. <laughs> Either would be an impressive feat, and doing both would be absolutely remarkable. Beyond the fact that Harvard is one of the most selective and esteemed institutions for higher education in the world, Admission to Harvard Law is exceptionally competitive. Add on 70K in tuition per year, plus 30K in living expenses annually, and you're looking at 300K in expenses. For a school with a 16% acceptance rate and nearly 8,000 applicants annually. And that's just the law school part. Becoming president is probably far harder, even if he wasn't a West African immigrant, which he was. But that didn't stop my young friend. He was only seven, after all. He didn't understand any of the, of the things I described above. But if I approached him today as an adult, I'm sure he could enumerate dozens of potential challenges for him uh, to graduate from Harvard Law and serve as president of the United States. Coincidence? Probably not. My point is this. There's something about the imagination and innocence of children that we as adults find absolutely mesmerizing. So this whole Santa thing, one argument is that the story of Santa is about creating an elaborate fantasy to appeal to the unique, intrinsic qualities of children, to be uh, imaginative and, you know, even nonsensical and, and, and creative and to hope and, and dream, right? I mean, think about it. People have their entire lives to be pragmatic and realistic and practical, etc. In the story of Santa, maybe it's really about creating this fantasy so we can nurture that imagination in young boys and girls. So we make up utterly ridiculous stories about a chubby old white dude that rides a magic sleigh around the world in less than 24 hours to deliver gifts to children in 190 plus different nations commensurate with uh, their nice or naughty behavior. And to aid him in his efforts, he has an entire subspecies of mythical creatures, elves and reindeer. And we have movies and songs and books to learn about them all. 
I mean, interesting fantasy, huh? In case you're wondering, this argument isn't far-fetched. Creativity has been given uh, a great deal of attention across the social sciences, both among children and adults. Um, there's some research conducted by uh, organizational sociologists where they study people who work at an advertising firm to better understand, excuse me, to get a better understanding of the creative process. One of the findings from that work is that the creatives in the firm were treated like children. In fact, the managers in the advertising firm said this was deliberate. An overt attempt to get the most creative ideas out of them by encouraging a culture of childlike socialization where they weren't weighed down by the expectation to be realistic. So the creatives at the firm, this advertising firm, were treated like kids and they acted like it too, all in hopes they would be more creative and imaginative. All this to say, maybe the fantasy about Santa is part of our intention to promote that creativity, um, imagination and open-ended thinking in children. Who knows, maybe it gives us an opportunity to flex some creative muscles that we don't get to use on a regular basis. That's a whole different conversation. Maybe, maybe seeing the their maybe seeing these children's hope makes us hopeful too right but what about santa claus's folklore maybe that's a better description of what he is i mean that's not over the top a cultural psychologist or a sociologist um, cultural sociologist would maybe even an anthropologist too would go a step beyond saying Santa is an elaborate and popular fantasy. Instead, they would say that Santa is a means of transmitting and reproducing culture from generation to generation. Folklore. I mean, after all, St. Nicholas lived around 300 AD and his stories have long survived and even evolved since then. But it's bigger than that. I mean, contrary to popular belief, humans are fundamentally social. We do not live or thrive in isolation. In fact, extended periods of time in isolation impairs development in children. So contrary to the notion of the lone wolf, that simply is not how humans work. There's obviously a continuum of introversion to extroversion. Everybody is different. I don't want to undermine that in any way. But make no mistake about it. Extended social isolation is detrimental to physical, mental, psychological, and emotional health. We live in packs. Family, friends, towns, communities, cities, suburbs... Humans live together and we need each other. So peaceful coexistence and cooperation is a must. If we're going to maintain cooperation, coexistence, and peaceful cohabitation as signature features of human existence, 
We'll need to seamlessly integrate these into culture. The good news is, this is relatively easy to do. Think about things like the golden rule. A simple principle across countries, groups, and religions, Christianity and otherwise, to treat people with dignity and respect as you desire, excuse me, as you yourself desire to be treated. Also think about uh, the Good Samaritan. Now, while this is a popular parable in Christian circles, more broadly, it's become a principle to encourage goodwill, humanitarianism, and generosity to your fellow men. Perhaps even those that you may otherwise have reservations about helping. Right? The Bible actually tells us Jews and Samaritans have no dealings together. So that makes this parable of the Good Samaritan all the more powerful. Santa Claus builds on these principles in important ways. In the form of folklore, beliefs, stories, and tales told within a particular community of individuals. While Saint Nick was indeed a real person, his generosity has been transformed to a legendary level. Now he's a larger-than-life figure traveling around the world on a magic sleigh, working tirelessly to provide gifts for well-behaved children around the world. Prosociality, benevolence, generosity, interest in the welfare of children, in clause we see important values being promoted. In that sense, whether the stories are true or not, or even plausible for that matter, is somewhat irrelevant. Instead, the stories serve as a means of illustrating principles. From what I can tell, it seems successful, at least in some ways. Millions, if not billions, of children all around the world are on their best behavior to stay off of Santa's naughty list. Moreover, some children may even go as far as being kind to others, which is a step beyond simply being well-behaved for the sake of their parents. In that sense, folklore has done exactly what it was supposed to do. Using captivating stories and culturally enriched tales it has promoted values that are of great importance to all of mankind. Generosity will always be a desirable principle to promote in humanity. But what about Claus, Santa Claus, as deity? Does this definition fit? Well, let's think about it. Santa provides you nice things if you're well-behaved, He knows if every child in the world is naughty or nice. He has powers and he has mythical beings that work to advance his goals. And people, mostly kids, go to great lengths to ensure that Santa believes that they followed certain guidelines for desirable behavior. If we were looking at this outside of the context of a holiday, most people would say, absolutely. Santa Claus meets the definition of what we usually think of when we think of a god. And sure, we can rationalize it away as much as we would like, but ultimately, the idea, again, isn't far-fetched. Santa Claus meets the definition of a god. I mean, after all, 
In the Christian religion, we usually talk about the worship of all kinds of things. Money, sex, food, work, alcohol, social media. I mean, more recently, we've been getting a little bit edgier, talking about the worship of nationalism and government and political parties, even specific political leaders. People can literally worship anyone or anything. We see that throughout the Bible, literally from cover to cover. To me, it's hardly controversial to say that Santa Claus is a deity. If anything, I think it's more controversial to try and argue that he isn't. That's effectively saying all this other stuff in the world uh, has been tainted by idolatry, but Santa Claus and Christmas is the one thing that we managed to get perfect. No, sir. No worship of Santa in any way, shape, or form over here. Now, let's stop and pause for a second, because by this point, I'm sure somebody somewhere is starting to get at least a little bit upset with me. This was written and intended to be edgy and thought-provoking. It was. I don't have any major qualms with Santa. I don't mean to imply in any way, shape, or form that if you're, if you're wearing a Santa Christmas sweater, that means you worship an old chubby white dude from the third century, uh, you know, third century Eastern Europe. I don't have any beef with Santa hats. I don't have any issues with elves or reindeer or Christmas music or any of that stuff. I don't got no beef with Christmas for the most part. I'm more so neutral. Um, this <laughs> This was written to be thought-provoking. And if it isn't, I failed miserably or you aren't thinking, or maybe both. Anyway, that's an aside. I'm not finished. I talk elsewhere about the significance of Santa Claus being white. White, excuse me. I don't know if that was audible. I'll revisit that conversation here. Research shows we have mental schemas concerning what people in specific roles are supposed to look like. In other words, I have an image in my head of what an accountant should look like, what an engineer should look like, uh, you know, and what a football player should look like. And those are three different images for three very different kinds of people. What's really cool about mental schemas in the research, you know, concerning mental schemas is that more recently, scholars have applied the theory to study religion. The findings are startling, although it's confirmed what many of us have since believed, but now we have research to support it. Most American Christians visualize God as a white man. And even though we're all made in his image, American Christians think of him as more white than he is black, at least implicitly. Those are, you know, the findings from that paper. What's crazy about this, though, is not only did this finding emerge among adults, but it also emerged among children as young as seven years old. See, this is why I love science, right? American children think God is more white than he is black. Now, to be fair, this is to be expected. 
based on all the images we see of Jesus with very fair complexion skin. But I think there's another piece of this too, right? We tend to implicitly associate good things with white and bad things with black. That pattern has been demonstrated quite a few times in the social sciences. It's hardly a new idea at this point. So if you're not even a new idea, it's certainly not a new idea. It's hardly a radical idea at this point. It's absolutely not a new one. Um, so if you're a child and you're hearing this story of Santa for the first time, and you hear he's this larger than life figure who's generous, hardworking, and provides for children around the world. Why wouldn't he be white, right? Like who else would you put in that role? Like who else would you put in that position, right? Like you have this mental image before you even see any pictures of what Santa looks like. Why wouldn't he be white? There's an implicit association in our brain wherein good things in the world come from white people and bad things in the world come from black people, right? So, of course, Santa would be white. I mean, in that sense, Santa shares certain similarities with Jesus. Even though Santa is a deity, he previously took on a human form. And because we ascribe more, excuse me, because we ascribe more positive traits to white versus non-white people, it makes perfect sense that we have a white Santa. And what do we get from this Santa? Gifts, prosperity, good times and cheer, well-behaved children, the list goes on. Now, I'm running tight on space, so let me bring it in, because, I mean, I've actually been going for a while. The point is this. Santa Claus fits the definition of all of these things. He's a source of fantasy, right, to appeal to the imagination of children. He's also uh, folklore integrated into holiday stories to promote desirable human qualities like generosity and humanitarianism. Uh, he's a deity. Children lift up their prayers for gifts. They take a pilgrimage to the shopping mall to see him every year. They modify and shift their lifestyle and behaviors in hopes of rewards. He's an all-seeing figure that knows what every child around the world has done and acts to recompense him uh, in her uh, each Christmas season. He fits the definition of all the above. Um, just some more random thoughts, not a traditional kind of holiday, whatever, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, happy holidays from the Mahogany Tower. And uh, I will catch you guys in 2020, 21.